Titus 1, 1 through 5, these are God's words. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city, as I commanded you. So far, the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. The writer of the letter begins by identifying himself, which was common. He identifies himself as Paul, but he also identifies himself as, uh, in an uncommon way, he calls himself a slave of God. Our English translation says bond servant, but one who is bound uh, and is required to serve uh, is a slave. And he must do whatever God commands. Uh, and since Jesus Christ is also God, which we will find uh, when we consider verse 4, Jesus Christ, his God, has sent him in particular as an apostle. Whatever our office is that has appointed been appointed to us by God, by the Lord Jesus, uh, we are slaves of God to do that. And so he's a slave of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, he doesn't have an option, and being a joyful and devoted uh, slave by the grace of God, he is eager to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so we must be careful when we don't say, I wish I wasn't still a child who had to obey my parents. I wish I wasn't a pastor who had to pastor these people like Titus. That uh, might have been tempted by his own flesh to wish. And Paul is saying, no, I'm a slave of God, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're a slave of God, an under-shepherd of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can say, oh, I wish I didn't have to parent these children. Or I wish I didn't have to be brother or sister in the church to these people. Uh, the office of church member, the assignment or the role of church member. No, uh, this letter is written... Uh, by God's slave. We must order the church in God's way uh, because it's God's church and we are God's people. And so he's God's slave. Uh, and yet, not only is he God's slave, but this means that he is serving God's purposes. What is God's purpose? That he would bring his elect to faith according to the faith of God's elect. What are they elected for? What are they chosen unto? Well, they're chosen unto a number of things, but one of the things they're chosen unto is to believe. If God has elected that they would believe, then they will be brought to believe. And if God's way of bringing them to believe is by sending his apostle, then the sent apostle better be laboring, aiming at their believing. And so he's a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith uh, of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth. So God brings his elect to faith by bringing them to know the truth. And not just that they would know the truth so that they would believe, but this truth 
that they be, the, by which they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ is what produces godliness, or it is necessary that godliness would be produced. Because he hasn't just elected us that we would say a prayer, or elected us that we would hold a doctrinal position. He's elected us that we would be conformed to the image of his Son. He's predestined us to adoption and inheritance and glorification in the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so one of the problems in the churches in Crete that we'll find out uh, about uh, pretty quickly in this letter is that the people are not growing in godliness. The character of the Lord Jesus isn't being demonstrated in their lives. Uh, but this is what God has elected believers unto, that we would know the truth, that we would believe in Jesus Christ by the truth, and that godliness would be produced in us from Jesus Christ through faith, by grace. And so Paul's life, Paul's ministry, is devoted to these three things, the elect growing in faith, the elect growing in knowing truth, the elect growing in godliness, and Titus's life, Titus's ministry, must be devoted to these things too. And in whatever role God has given us, we should desire that we would grow in faith, that we would grow in knowledge of the truth, that we would grow in godliness, and that God would use us to help others grow in faith, grow in knowledge of the truth, and grow in godliness. And one of the things we should especially pray for our elders and our ministers about is that God would use them, Christ would use them to grow people in faith, to grow his people in the knowledge of the truth, to grow his people in godliness. So there's God's purpose, but there's also God's promise. Because all of these, faith, truth, knowledge of godliness, uh, or faith, truth, and godliness, are actually not ultimate ends. The ultimate end is eternal life, in hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Well, now that is a very interesting say. Who is there before time begins? God. God and only God. <laughs> Nobody else. And so the promise is made by God to God. And so we see that there must be one God in many persons, or at least in more than one person. For there be one who does the promising and one who receives the promise. And now we have a hint at what that eternal life is. Because God promises to God a life for the elect that is like God's life. A life that has no possibility of death, so everlasting. A life that is, uh, that is uh, consumed with uh, loving God and being loved by God. Enjoying God and being enjoyed by God. And so God, before time began, plans within himself that there are a people to whom he is going to give a life that is analogous to his own. That is what God created in order to bring about. That is what God has uh, superintended history in order to bring about. That is what God has sent the Lord Jesus in order to bring about. And that is what Paul's apostleship and Titus's pastoral ministry and ordaining of elders and those elders' coming elders' ministry and everything that we do is designed to bring about. So there's the promise. Now, if we are going to get to God's promise by following God's purposes as God's slaves, then we need to do it according to God's order. And that's the next thing we see in this passage that God in his uh, in its own time 
uh, to be more literal, has manifested his word. So he makes a promise within himself, and then he does what is necessary to bring about the promised thing. And now he announces to us both that this is something he has promised within himself and that he has accomplished what was necessary in order to bring it about. He has sent his son into the world. His son has lived a righteous life. His son has died an atoning death. His son has risen again with with an almighty resurrection. His son has ascended and taken his seat at the right hand of majesty. And his son has poured out his spirit by whom he is applying his salvation. And so all of these things that are uh, that are hidden or kept in the promise of God within God before time began are now being manifested, being uh, opened up to us, revealed to us. And it is God who manifests them through preaching. Now, yes, Paul has been commanded or, or uh, entrusted with preaching according to God's commandment. Um, that God has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me. The preaching was entrusted to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Uh, So God orders, God ordains, uh, establishes the way that he is going to bring about his salvation for his elect. And his way is through preachers. And so if he entrusts a preacher with a ministry... It's not optional. It's the commandment of God our Savior for me, my ministry, says Paul. And he's implying, of course, that Titus's ministry is the commandment of God our Savior. And when Titus starts uh, training and ordaining and installing these elders, that they are to view their ministry as the commandment of God our Savior. And what a good commandment to follow uh, with the one who is your Savior. You know his intentions, you know his ability to bring it about. Uh, There's absolutely no reason to question the command. Uh, Is it good? Of course, it's saving us. Is it wise? Of course, it's God. It's God's commandment. Will it work? Of course, he's almighty. He'll make it work. God's slave, uh, pursuing God's purposes to fulfill God's promise according to God's order. Uh, And this is why, uh, verse 5, we are supposed to have elders, plurality of elders, in every church. Because that's God's way of operating his church. For this reason, he says, verse 5. For which reason? Well, because this is the way God is bringing his salvation that Jesus has accomplished. And now that the spirit whom Jesus has poured out is applying is by the ministry of elders. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. And so the Lord establishes that there is a right order in his church. So you, you can't say, well, you know, you look at the church and there are many different ways. There's you know, the, the Anglican kind of church structure, ecclesiology. There's the papist church structure, ecclesiology isn't much different. And, except for it doesn't have Antichrist at the top. Uh, there's, uh, you know, the, the Methodist or Congregationalist kind of like egalitarian, congregational driven, uh, stuff. A lot of Baptists like that. And, uh, and then there's the, uh, you know, there are some elderly, elder-ish Baptist churches. Um, and then you have the Presbyterian and Reformed that are the um, the Presbyterian or the elder overseen uh, churches. 
Uh, so, you know, it's multiple choice. Absolutely not. The proper ordering of a church with elders selected according to uh, Christ's given procedure and qualifications is part of how God has ordered to bring his salvation. Can he do it over and against our disobedience and disorder? He can, and he's merciful, and sometimes he does. But we have no reason to expect him to. It's presumptuous to do it a different way and say, Lord, please bless this church and save people. Bring them to faith. Grow them in faith. Grow them in knowledge of the truth. Grow them in godliness. When we are not, if you are not using God's order in the church, it's the church equivalent of Lord turn this Cheeto into a carrot stick on the way down. Can he do it? No, he, well, he can, but he doesn't. Well, the amazing thing is sometimes he does when it comes to salvation for people, but it's presumptuous to ask him to work that way if we're not following his order. And so God's slave is to follow God's purposes in expectation and hope of God's fulfilling God's promise by using God's order in the church as the the pastor, the elder, or the believer depends upon God's supply. And this is where we get to verse 4. To Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Titus is a true son to Paul, not only because his work resembles Paul's work, you know, the, the family business or family trade uh, idea that uh, was very uh, prominent uh, and behind uh, a lot of these uh, true son sorts of uh, sayings, but in this case, a true son in a common faith. He's especially a true son to, to Paul because Titus's faith resembles Paul's faith. And so God's servant depends upon God himself for the ministry. God's slave depends upon God himself for what uh, he commands us to do. And so what do we need? What does Titus need if he is going to fulfill the role that the Lord Jesus has assigned to him? He needs grace. God's blessedness in the place of the curse that he deserves and God's strength in the place of his weakness. He needs mercy that God would compassionately superintend everything in his life in gentleness and kindness that are the exact opposite of what he deserves. He needs peace. The sure knowledge that God has reconciled Titus to himself so completely that God now bends all of who he is to be devoted for all that Titus needs God to be to him. And this is what we each need. We need the grace that our life would be according to the blessedness and strength that are in Jesus, none of which we have in us. Uh, we need mercy that God would superintend all things to be the opposite of what we had deserved them to be. And we need peace that God would be entirely for us uh, and that he would, uh, our sufficiency would be from him, uh, that we would be in an alliance with God, as it were. And so he needs to know that the Father is his Father, 
from God the Father, and he needs to know that God the Son is his Savior. The grace, the mercy, and the peace are things that come from God. So it would be blasphemy to say, verse 4, if the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is not God, if Jesus Christ is not the Lord. And so when he says grace, mercy, and peace from, and then there's a joint subject from whom they come, the grace, mercy, uh, and peace uh, come not only from God the Father, but also from the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior, because Jesus Christ our Savior is the Lord. He is God. God is our Savior in Christ. God is our supply in Christ. He has given us his order for the church, for the means by which he brings us into salvation and grows us in faith, grows us in knowledge, and grows us in godliness. Elders are his plan. Elders are his way of doing this. So whether we ourselves are elders, or whether we are, as it were, eldered, shepherded, overseen, we will want to pay careful attention to the upcoming verses in this letter to Titus, so that we may rest upon the Lord in doing things his way and to enjoy his salvation. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would bless to us this portion of your word, that we would see how you are the never-lying God who has made a promise within yourself that is what we are now hearing preached when you send preachers to announce to us what Christ has done. Help us to trust you and do things your way. Help each of us to fulfill whatever role we have in the home, whatever role we have in the church, with joy and diligence as following the commandments of our God and Savior. We pray that you would give us grace, mercy, and peace from you, our Father, and from your Son, our God and our Lord, Jesus Christ, our Savior. For we ask it in his name. Amen.